Shabbat to one and all. I'm here with uh, Kirk and with uh, Dee, and uh, we do have other guests listening to the uh, the program that are part of my uh, my personal uh, fan club. Uh, one of them is uh, four pod and about a one foot six, likes to sit in my lap as we do the show. So uh, that would be Wookie. He's named after Chewbacca. Uh, Wookie uh, is uh, is fascinated by the internet and actually dances over the keyboard and mouse to choose his favorite uh, programming. Uh, Asher, who was uh, named after both the, uh, the tribe of Israel and my favorite uh, Hebrew word, uh, is uh, also four pot, about uh, three feet uh, tall. And uh, occasionally uh, Leah will come uh, out of uh, uh, her study and to come join us here in, uh, in my study as we bring the, uh, the show. So we're not bringing this to you alone. We have a, a cast of characters right here in the Virgin Islands. Uh, it was uh, quite, yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, it's, it's uh, very impressive, of course, right? Um, we, are, uh, uh, we have a very simple life here, and that's it. If it wasn't for the simple life, I don't think we could do what we do, because we're uh, sure. you know, now, and they uh, have, put uh, 30 books on the shelf. We uh, uh, have uh, now made it through almost through the 10th of, uh, of those uh, books on the way to editing all 30 with uh, what we have learned uh, recently. So we not only have written a lot of books and edited them and published them, but we have gone through them many times to keep them uh, up to date with what we have uh, learned. Uh, and nothing beats uh, the 89th Mismore in terms of, of learning, particularly when it comes to the most important person in human history, Dode. Uh, we were comparing before the show, of course, Dode to the, uh, the, uh, the closest analog to Dode in our time. Of course, that would be Donald Trump. They're both uh, brilliant, articulate uh, men of character. Uh, obviously, I'm being facetious here, but oh my, uh, what do you consider? how 
miserable this next election will be. It'll be the first time, though, that it should be good for comic relief that we'll have a president campaigning from prison uh, and uh, another uh, campaigning from the geriatric ward, yes, of of the local hospital. But uh, Leah was very excited this morning because she said we finally figured it out. Uh, The only way for this White House to be as grotesquely out of touch with reality uh, and for uh, uh, Joe Biden to actually be able to stand up and uh, and speak, completing more than three sentences at a time, is uh, been explained. It is the cocaine that was uh, found just outside of the White yeah, House really. uh, mess here recently. So it does uh, does explain a lot. Uh, on a serious uh, note, uh, one of the uh, most uh, tragic decisions that uh, I have ever uh, encountered. Uh, and this may just sound like nothing to you is an item that just passed by quietly in the news, but I think it may be the worst decision this administration, who is the king of bad decisions, has ever made. And that is they have decided to send cluster bombs to Ukraine to kill Russians. The majority of nations uh, on this planet have long since realized that uh, cluster bombs are civilian killers and that uh, uh, because they're indiscriminate uh, in the way they uh, kill and maim, that they do not belong uh, in uh, in our world, that they are a munition that should be destroyed and never used. But uh, uh, we, nonetheless, as the United States, um, still have them. We use them uh, constantly in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, killing... um, tens of thousands of, uh, of civilians and maiming tens of thousands more. Uh, but now we're going to send them to Ukraine. So what do you think is going to be the most rational, reasonable response of, uh, of Putin now that we have sent them uh, drones capable of reaching Moscow, long-range missiles capable of reaching Moscow, air defense uh, missiles capable of shooting down Russians from the sky, uh, tanks, uh, all, all forms of artillery, and now we are going to send them cluster bombs to kill ever more Russians, or as Lindsey Graham says, best money we ever spent, you're killing Russians. What is his response? How does he lash out and hold the United States accountable for this tragedy that we have perpetrated. I'm pulling his goes nuclear. That really is his only option. And when you continue to up the ante, uh, in fact, uh, we uh, announced just today that it is certain that uh, Ukraine will become part of NATO. When you com- continue to up the ante and you give all manner of weapons to one of the most corrupt and undeserving nations on earth, that would be the Ukraine, uh, just because you want to have a proxy war against Russia. And in the process, you destroy not only your own economy, but you destroy the very fabric of that economy because you push more and more nations towards the alternative, which is brick. And you do all of this against a nation that has the most nuclear bombs in the world. It um, is among the most morally bankrupt and irrational uh, decisions ever made 
perhaps uh, explaining the presence of cocaine. Uh, cocaine wasn't just mm-hmm. found in the White House, though. Most recently, the mayor, uh, who is a progressive, of Washington, D.C., uh, and uh, she is African-American, uh, so uh, uh, the uh, meet the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement can't blame her ethnicity for being racist. Um, she has so crippled the, uh, the police in Washington that people are dying in droves. Um, five to ten people a day are being uh, gunned down. One of the most tragic was there was an uh, Afghani who uh, uh, protected Americans in Afghanistan, survived that war, came to America, and died this week as a result of gunshot in Washington, D.C. The uh, United States, though, does want you to know uh, that um, 85 brave young men and women signed the, uh, the oath to uh, sacrifice their freedom to go into the U.S. military at Fort Meade and uh, our Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was there to shake their hands and congratulate them on uh, giving their lives to the U.S. military. Uh, It is interesting, of course, that the U.S. military is having a very difficult time recruiting now because guess what percentage of American youth are not eligible to serve either because of psychiatric problems, drug problems, obesity problems, uh, attitude issues. What percentage? Now, they will take the dregs of the earth into the U.S. military, particularly if you're going to uh, enlist as a bullet catcher. Uh, What percentage don't qualify to catch bullets? These are just, I'm I'm not talking about officers. I'm talking about enlisted. What percentage won't the U.S. military, which is really the last option of employment for uh, for many? Have a guess? I'm guessing 70 percent plus. Yes, 77 percent of America's youth are uh, not eligible to uh, serve in the uh, the U.S. military. Pretty um, (laughs) pretty astounding. As we continue through the uh, the news, we find that, uh, that it is a really bad idea for business to be woke. Um, there seems to be no um, level to which uh, bud light cannot fall. It is continuing to fall at a rate of 30% compounded weekly, uh, which is probably the biggest disaster that's ever happened to a company that has spent billions advertising its brand. Imagine that. All of those ads in the Super Bowl, all of that uh, money spent to become the number one brand of, uh, of alcohol uh, in the United States, and one stupid idea, one woke idea brought it down to its knees. At this point, Nobody will even take it off the shelf. They have it uh, selling, uh, offering to sell cheaper than water. And they'll give you a $25 uh, uh, rebate on a, uh, on a case of uh, beer on top of the fact that it's now cheaper wow. than, than water. Wow. Uh, I have no idea. Well, 
welcome. I didn't either. Uh, one of the most interesting stories of uh, uh, of the past week, of course, were the riots in uh, in France in Paris. Uh, there was a uh, a young man. His name is uh, Nahal. He's uh, he's a Muslim. He was a Muslim. Uh, he was uh, nobody wants to say that, but he was a Muslim. He was uh, from Algeria, um, and uh, he was 17 years old, and uh, he had a habit of uh, of acting very badly. Uh, he had something in the range of six or seven um, instances where he was driving illegally. He's uh, 17 years old. He does not have a license. You can't even get a driver's license until 18 in, uh, in France. Uh, in this particular occasion, he was not just driving illegally without a license and being underage. He was driving in the bus lane, not in the car lane. He wasn't just doing that. He was speeding. He wasn't just doing that. He ran a red light. And he has a history, some five uh, occurrences within the last year, of when being pulled over for reckless driving, uh, he uh, decides that he will avoid arrest and drive off uh, in the, uh, the car. Uh, and this time, the, uh, the cops uh, pulled a gun on him and said, you know, don't do that. You're going to, uh, you're going to get killed if you do that. And he did it and got killed. Uh, he also has a history of, uh, of drug abuse. He is a patron saint, though, and an angel compared to George, George Floyd. So the, uh, the woke are having a very tough time finding uh, patron saints to rally around. Uh, in fact, all of them have had a, a, a terrible uh, past. They've been some of the worst people that you could possibly imagine, like George Floyd, uh, uh, spent time in prison because he got his giggles pistol-whipping the belly of a pregnant woman because he wanted to rob her. And, of course, the, mm -hmm. the day that he was uh, killed uh, resisting arrest, he uh, had um, uh, methamphetamine and fentanyl uh, in his uh, system. Uh, that does not mean that he should have been killed. No, he should not have been killed for uh, for uh, counterfeit bills or for uh, for resisting arrest or for uh, being a cocaine addict or repeat offender or having fentanyl in his system. Uh, all of that is uh, the result of police brutality, which I have spoken out against for over 30 years. So I am not new to the police are way too aggressive and way too brutal. Um, uh, that's a, a fact, but the left wants to, uh, to turn exceedingly bad people into angels, and the media is all too willing to go along with it. Uh, and in this case, uh, Nathal uh, was, uh, was not uh, a good boy, and he was doing things that would cause other people to get killed, and he got killed in the process. It is interesting, of course, that most rational Frenchmen uh, get this. The, uh, the go-to or the fund me page for him is uh, about 1.5 million right now for his defense uh, when the uh, fund to uh, uh, the mother uh, that raised a exceedingly troublesome child is at about 200,000. Uh, these situations, of course, and they were uh, the people who rioted, of course, were called protesters. Their, uh, their average age uh, was 17 years old. 
Uh, and uh, the majority of them were uh, Muslims, not all. Uh, some were woke, some were just anarchists, but the majority of them were young Muslims. Uh, and uh, their idea of protesting was to break into uh, stores, loot them, and then uh, light them on fire. Um, it, is, uh, it was a disgusting display that took place in Parrot, France. In fact, the protesters actually torched the, uh, uh, a mayor's home uh, with uh, his wife and child inside. Uh, so these are uh, these are very very uh, difficult and nasty times. At the same time, of course, we uh, had the uh, uh, the IDF uh, having finally said we cannot continue to have scores of Israelis gunned down by uh, young Muslim terrorists uh, that have been indoctrinated. Uh, in uh, Jenin, uh, which is not a refugee camp, by the way. There's no tents in it. It's not that the furthest thing from a refugee camp. It is a hellhole, but uh, that is only because of, uh, of Islam. Uh, you go back uh, 15, 20 years ago, even the New York Times was running articles as to uh, Jenin being the, the great hope for uh, the uh, what was called the Arab-Israeli conflict. It's no such thing. It's Islam wanting to wipe Jews off the face of the earth. But they talked about it being the great hope because the Israelis uh, and others partnered with uh, the people of Jenin and the uh, Palestinian Authority uh, substantially improved the infrastructure, electricity, uh, housing, sewers, water supply, and creating job opportunities. Uh, but uh, the Iranians had a different uh, view, as did uh, Hezbollah, which they financed, and Islamic uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which was created by the Iranians. And they have so overwhelmed the uh, incompetence of the Palestinian Authority, which is just nothing but a myth. I mean, we'll take Abbas into the White House and hug him, and the Europeans will give them bundles of money as if he was a credible leader. He hasn't had elections in, what, almost 15, 20 years because he'd be trounced. He has no uh, uh, infrastructure of support because he kills anybody that is perceived to be a rival. He's despised by his own people. And because he has no authority or no accountability, Hamas and uh, Islamic Jihad, uh, Hezbollah uh, and other Iranian-financed factions uh, now control Jenin. And they have weaponized it to the point where their primary stash of weapons, of course, are in the basements of mosques. And so the Israelis did something that was extraordinary that no other nation on earth would do. They risked their own young men and women to go in and surgically uh, capture uh, the worst of the terrorists and uh, confiscate their bomb-making equipment, rockets, mortars, uh, and uh, improvised explosive devices and uh, rifles, all of which had been supplied by the Iranians. Every other nation on Earth would, well, the United States would use cluster bombs as to what we would do. We, but the Jews not only went in there, in this most recent operation of the, what it was, 20 uh, fake Estonians that were killed, every single one of them was holding and firing a rifle. Not a single one of them 
was a civilian in the sense they were all affiliated with the various Islamic terrorist groups that permeate uh, that area. And yet the BBC came out and say uh, uh, that statement of fact, not a question, uh, the IDF and Jews love killing children. They did that on in an interview with the former Prime Minister Bennett, who was taken aback for a moment and then asked the, uh, this woman, uh, what do you call a 17-year-old holding a rifle, shooting and killing your family? Right. Do you call that a child? Or is that a terrorist? Terrorist. Well, that's exactly what we went in to stop. What we did was responsive. What no one is saying, however, and what the woke left can't figure out, is that the blame shouldn't be at Israel for defending itself and trying to take the weapons and bombs that are being used against their civilians and their country away from these indoctrinated terrorists. That isn't even the the most important part of the story, of course, which they don't get. It's why isn't anyone holding Islam accountable for indoctrinating and recruiting and then arming children? Why was it that those 17-year-olds had AK-47s and were out in the streets killing, trying to kill Jews? If it wasn't for the fact that they were indoctrinated at a young age, given no hope by their religion, armed and encouraged to kill by Iran and other Islamic nations around Israel. That's the story, and there isn't a single woke reporter in the nation or in the world willing to report it. Right. Exceedingly sad what has uh, has happened uh, to us, and it's um, hard to explain. The news came out this week that the global food crisis is getting so bad that the EU now wants to reconnect a sanctioned Russian bank to the global financial system to keep grain supplies moving. The think tank of the EU and at America's urging was so desperate to fight a war, a proxy war with Russia, and then to sanction Russia, that we put the world into a food crisis. We uh, raised to the point of causing terrible inflation and pain the price of fuel for Europe, even to the United States. But now we've done such damage to food supplies, with Russia being one of the largest exporters of wheat in the world, the world's largest exporter of fertilizer, uh, the world's second largest exporter of, uh, of fuel, of gas uh, and oil, that mm-hmm. we have not only destroyed the world's economies, we've put some 100 countries on the uh, precipice of anarchy from uh, complete destruction of their uh, economies 
and uh, as a result of starvation. Another article uh, out of uh, in the news this week, um, something that we talked about on this program a lot over the last uh, 15 to 20 years, and that is that the United States military and the CIA have a really nasty habit of going into countries where uh, uh, before they're there, there is uh, essentially no uh, cocaine um, or heroin production. Once they get there, they become the leading, the, the areas where the CIA and the U.S. military operate, become the leading suppliers of cocaine and heroin to the world. And then when we leave, those that we uh, try to destroy go in and destroy the poppy fields and uh, uh, the uh, uh, sources, the cocoa plants for uh, uh, for cocaine. Well, it happened in Afghanistan. The Taliban had essentially eliminated the uh, the poppies uh, for uh, heroin. So during the Taliban's control, uh, Afghanistan was uh, not even a significant player in the supply of heroin to the world. Uh, then the United States comes in with its CIA and military. Uh, we oust the Taliban, and Afghanistan uh, grows not only to the lead supplier, but to an 80% share of the uh, heroin for the world. Now we, uh, we leave. The Taliban is back in charge. And listen, they are a despicable uh, organization that abuse everyone's rights, uh, have the collective intelligence of a tadpole uh, with the entire lot of them, and they're incredibly uh, depreciating of women. But uh, even during the time the United States were th- was there, the Taliban controlled greater resources and geography than before we invaded. Well, they have eliminated the uh, poppy production and the heroin production in Afghanistan. doesn't speak much to the United States' uh, morality. Pope Francis uh, condemned the uh, the burning of the Quran in Sweden. Yep, he says yeah, it shouldn't be tearing up and burning anybody's uh, you know um, holy book. The United Nations is voting on why one shouldn't be allowed to burn the holy book. Yep, uh, stupid hmm. says as stupid does. Why don't you read the damn book? And you realize that Islam, because of the Quran, is the greatest menace to humanity that has been conceived in the last thousand years. The reason that 95% of the world's terrorist acts are perpetrated by good Muslims is because the Quran orders Muslims to be terrorists. Rather than burn the damn book, which I don't really care if you burn it or tear it uh, to shreds, but I would encourage people to read it so that they know how stupid Islam is and how deadly it is. They would recognize that it is a terrorist manifesto and that this numbskull who also has an IQ of three as a pope would read the damn thing. He probably wouldn't be quite as as stupid. Oh, speaking of stupid, though, he wants now the Christians who have died as a result of being a Christian – over the last decade or so, to be viewed as martyrs. Of course. If he had half a brain, if he had 
any capability of thinking. That's not what he would be interested in. He'd be interested in what was it that killed them? Why were they killed because they were Christians? And the answer is Islam. That same book that this nincompoop wants to protect. Oh, that's probably enough news for today. It gets me irritated to read it, but uh, you need to know that um, that's what's happening around the world. Um, the combination of religion and uh, progressive wokeism has people to the point where they're just absolutely incapable of thinking. Uh, I have uh, long stated and it is becoming a, uh, an absolute fact for anybody who is informed and rational that it is impossible to reason with an overtly religious or overtly political person. They've rendered themselves beyond the reach of rational discourse. And we are witnessing more and more of that every day uh, throughout the leaders of the world no matter what country, no matter what political persuasion, no matter what religion. All right, uh, this time last week, um, we uh, concluded our program on <clears throat> Mismore Lyrics uh, to Sing, Psalm 89:21, the first part of it uh, anyway. Um, I do like to have just a brief introduction to the psalm before we begin. Uh, I and rejoin it. Uh, I call it uh, Dode's song, um, David's song. It is a tribute uh, to Dode. It's the most glorious tribute that has ever been written to anyone in all of human history. Uh, it uh, uh, elevates Dode to the status of God, Elio. It speaks of him being as brilliant as the sun. It declares that he is the Son of God. Yahweh himself says that he anointed him. It ends by not only stating that God is the Masayak, Messiah, but that the greatest anguish to God is the denial of Dode's status as the once and returning Messiah and his rule in our salvation. The song introduces as Yahweh's chosen one, as his firstborn, as the most set apart, as the king of kings, as the most important person in the history of the world because he also served as our savior, as the Passover lamb. It's an extraordinary piece of literature, and of course, rabbis and Christians alike uh, have had it at their fingertips for uh, 2,000 years, and not a single one of them have acknowledged what it reveals. And God is so frustrated, so anguished over his people not acknowledging his sons, 
attributes and accolades and accomplishments, what they achieved together. God goes so far as to say, I promised this to Dot. Only to Dot. And I am never going to deny him. And if what I have said doesn't pertain to Dot, then you're calling me a liar. Those are fighting words. The correct understanding of the 89th Mismore, as well as Mismore's Psalms 1 through 30, is exceedingly straightforward. Dode is the exemplar of the covenant. He is the sacrificial lamb of Pesach. He is the once and returning Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God's counterpart. He is going to return as God. I guess that solves the Jewish problem that he can't be the Son of God because they're different species. So the uh, 89th Mismore, 21st statement uh, in part uh, reads, I discovered and then made known my EBIT, my coworker, my authorized agent who works on my behalf. Out of my Shimon Kodesh on me, my set-apart oil, I have Masak anointed him. So that to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, my hand will be established and steadfast, authenticated and sustained, unwavering and persistent with you. For QPS, the oldest extant witness to this psalm, changes the Masoretic with him to with you which changes the entire purpose of the statement. Yeah. Yahweh discovered Dot. He was out tending sheep in Bethlehem. He was eight years old. He was a nobody. Yahweh discovered He made him known. And the first thing that Yahweh did is announce that he's going to be my co-worker. We're going to work together. Why? Because God doesn't do anything independently. He does everything through us. And there's no one he did as much through as he did with Dod. And then he announces that out of his oil, he anointed him. That's what it means to be Masiak. Mm-hmm. But in this case... What Yahweh is saying is, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I told uh, Shamuel to visually demonstrate for the people the whole process of anointing, and he did it. And for the people's benefit, I uh, orchestrated Dode's uh, anointing two more times, three total. But this goes beyond all of that. This isn't God telling Shamuel, Samuel to anoint the kid 
This is God himself saying, I anointed him. <laughs> so if you want to argue the idea that there is some uh, unknown Messiah that is coming back to save Israel, nobody knows his name, nobody knows when he's coming, as opposed to recognize that Yahweh himself said, I anointed Dode. Good luck with that. <laughs> and I don't know how a religion can memorialize the words of Mamamides, who is one of the pillars of Judaism, says that the Messiah is coming. When he doesn't even mention his name. When the 89th Mizmor was staring him in the face. Out of my set-apart oil, I have anointed him. So that to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, Asher, my hand, my influence, my ability to act, will be established and steadfast with you. Prepared, unwavering, persistent with you, every covenant member, Yisrael, Yahudim. You know, the only difference between Mashach, to anoint, and Masiach, the Messiah, is the addition of the Yod found in my hand, Yodani. And there it is. My hand will be appointed him. So if Yahweh offers his hand, the Yod, to the one that he has Masak anointed, he is therefore the Masiach. <laughs> good, good call. Just thought you'd like to good know point, the, yeah. uh, the obvious. It's, uh, it's one of my gifts. Captain Obvious uh, makes his uh, yeah. appearance from time to time. That happens to be uh-huh. actually an insight that isn't all that obvious, but should be, right? Good. By stating that he made Dode known to us, yeah, I was taking credit for the accounts Thank of you. his life and the copies of his psalms that have been made available for us to read these 3,000 years. That's how Yahweh made him known to us. And also through the last of the judges, Shamuel. No other 11th century BCE life is as contemporaneously or voluminously documented. Not even by 1%. Therefore, we should be asking ourselves why this is so. Why did God intervene in human affairs in this way, at this time, in this place, with this man to make him so abundantly known to us. Why is it that of all of the writings of the Tanakh that there are more copies and that the longest copy are of the same thing, the Mizmor Psalms? We have more written about and by Dode, 
than we can process in a lifetime. Preserved in the original language, verified and proven credit with copious prophecies, conscientiously maintained, and even extant among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Parchment sealed in ceramic jars found less than 20 miles from where these mismore were first composed. Do you want a miracle? There's your miracle. By calling Dode his Ebed co-worker, God is giving us the opportunity to understand some things that are very profound. That it that the things God most wanted to accomplish, he did with Dode. For example, 89th Mismore says that Yahweh confirmed and established the covenant. Not with Abraham, with Dode. Yes, he formed it with Abraham and Yishak, but it was established by what he and Dode did together. Why is that? Because Yahweh, father and son, and Dode worked together, Ebed, to fulfill each of the seven Moed Mekre, with four of them already fulfilled. And the four that they fulfilled in year 4,000 Yom, 33 CE, are the four that provide all five of the covenant's benefits. Covenant was established yeah. with Dote. Dote is the person who unified Israel. Dote is the person through whom Yahweh worked to protect Israel. Dote is the person Yahweh worked with to reclaim Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, where the covenant was first um, tested and shared uh, and then performed as a dress rehearsal via the test with Abraham and Yishak on Mount Moriah. That all happened with Dode. Dode is the person when we have 2 Samuel 7 and that great story of houses. Who builds them? Who lives in them? Dode's home was just down the ridge line of man from his father's and will be reestablished in just that way. Ebed tells us that Yahweh does not work alone, that he always finds someone through whom to work. Doesn't mean that the people that he works through are always of the same caliber. There's no one whose character will ever exceed, not in the history of humanity, Moshe's. Right. No one. Moshe was the ultimate example of what it means to have character. When it comes to brilliance, when it comes to passion, when it comes to courage, a devotion to his people, and to his God, to being a great lyricist and prophet. No one will ever surpass Dode. They are the two individuals with whom Yahweh accomplished the most. But he's worked through many others. He worked through Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. 
He clearly worked through Noach before them. He worked valiantly through Moshe, of course, and even Aaron, the scallywag that he was. <laughs> he worked brilliantly through Shamuel. One of my favorites, of course, is uh, Elia, whom Yahweh was exceedingly effective and sarcastic. <laughs> and then uh, there is my brother from a different mother, well, maybe from the same mother in terms of uh, inspiration, Yasha Yah, whom Yahweh worked through brilliantly. And even now, 2,700 years later, he chose someone to work through to convey this message to you. That is what he does. That is what Ebed means. If you don't like it, then you just don't understand it. If you think that, well, God ought to be able to speak directly to you, and if you just pray hard enough, he'll talk to you, then you you miss the entire point. He doesn't want you praying to him. He wants you to listen to him, but you're unwilling to do so. So you have no idea who he is, what he wants, what he's offering, or why he created the universe, conceived life, articulated the covenant into existence, and then facilitated its benefits through doubt. It all exists because God wants to have a family and want to share experiences by raising his children and working with us and through us. By calling Dode his Ebed co-worker, God is giving us, therefore, this opportunity to understand what he values, what it is he wishes to achieve. And even more than that, by examining this man's life, we come to appreciate God enjoys in us what he finds useful in us. And since we have these two men in particular, Moshe and Dode, as exemplars of the men that God was able to achieve the most with and that we know the most about, doesn't it seem reasonable to learn all we can learn about these two men and everything in their personality, everything in their attitude and everything in their approach to life the words that they spoke, shared, the deeds they accomplished, their thinking, wouldn't it make sense? Since the uh, guy that they managed to endear themselves to and who chose them to work through happens to be God. Doesn't it make sense to learn all we can and apply as much of it as we can to our own lives? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the way, neither Moshe nor Dode are beyond our reach. Both of them. They're marvelous, extraordinary people. They are not beyond our reach. We can do as much as they did. We can. Because all we have to do is make ourselves available Listen to Yahweh, study and learn, think about what he is offering, be committed to the cause, 
try to align our thinking to his, be exceedingly bold, show some character and some integrity, be committed to words, particularly the written word. And we can change the world. Now, you might think it's, it's uh, and I don't think it's uh, the present audience here, maybe Wookiee uh, would be an exception, would think that it is being um, way too uh, uh, presumptive to suggest that we can accomplish as much as they did. But think for a moment. At the end of 40 years of leading Israel through the wilderness, how many of those that Moshe encountered 40 years before when this Exodus Yatza began were allowed into the promised land? One. Two. 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 Not far off. You're ready. on the curve. Started with 600,000, ended up with two. Yeah. That is not exactly uh, a stirring victory unless you're God and your your values are quite different. But it's two. Yes. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> just Yosha. It was also Caleb. Yeah, Caleb the dog. Like yeah, dog. all heart. All heart. All, all um, heart. But yeah. all heart doesn't mean he was emotional. No, in fact, Caleb was anything but. He was cerebral. Uh, and Hebrew heart was the seat of judgment. It was judgmental. Now let's look at one of my absolute favorites. Elia is really great at exposing and condemning the religious and political elite in Israel. Killed a lot of people. Uh, mocked them. But at the end of his life, how much did he write down for us to read? Not a lot. Did he write anything down? I'm not sure of anything. No, no book what, uh, At the no, end no. of his life, how many people do we know that were inspired by what he had said about Yahweh sufficiently that they became members of the covenant and carried on with him and after him? Yeah. It was about as successful as Moshe, wasn't he? Yeah. What about the greatest prophet who ever lived? Yashaya. Nobody there. One of my, one of my yeah. great heroes. I love how Turned around and where are they? And so God calls Yashaya, he's such a wonderful man. He's just such a, a, a brilliant, uh, in fact, Yashaya, you, you need a special vocabulary just to translate Yashaya because he's, he was a master of words. And after presenting the entirety of the story of Israel, from the Exodus all the way through Yom Kippurim and the return of Yahweh Dod, the most sweeping prophetic landscape ever, Yahweh invited Yeshua to Shamaim, heaven. And they were having a moment, and then Yahweh, to make a point, not to Yahshua, but for us, opened the door. And here was the greatest, most articulate prophet ever to speak for Yahweh, 
And when the door of heaven was open, I'm certain that Yeshua expected that there would be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million, that be standing outside that door of Israelites and Yahudim, ready to enter because they paid attention to what he said. And there were none. There were none. And Yahweh continually said that for the next 2,700 years, he looked and found none. Dode is an exceptional case because um, while his first life was fraught with peril, I mean, it's, uh, he wore out. He just did. He, um, it began gloriously and, uh, and fizzled in the, uh, the end uh, for a number of reasons. I think that Israel just became too great a burden for, for him. Um, but that is a life because there were so many flaws that there are aspects of his life that we can do as well, if not better. Not out of reach right. for us. And clearly, when when Dode came back for life two and served as the Pesach Al Passover lamb and offered his soul to carry our guilt into uh, Sheol and deposit it there, so we would look perfect in God's eyes. That's uh, a special case. We we can't we can't emulate that. Uh, that uh, I'm going to say. Okay, we're going to put that aside. Can't uh, can't emulate that. Shouldn't try. Don't need to. But in terms of the life that we know the most about, um, we can perform at that same level with the God's support. Yeah, it takes a lot. Now when. As a result of uh, of these books, the Yada Yada series, and the family that is supporting them, program. Ultimately, uh, there will be thousands of Israelites in Yehudim who, just ten years from now, and in the interim between now and 2033, are going to come to know Yahweh's name and are coming to know Yahweh's name using it understanding the conditions and the benefits of the covenant, appreciating the role that Dode has played and will play in the fulfillment of the Moed Mikre. And as a result, they're going to spend eternity in Shamaim heaven with Yahweh. And all of that is because God chose to work with somebody again, had lots and lots of prophecies about who it was going to be, and how he would work with them, and then enabled this individual's success. Not for the benefit of the person. No prizes at the end of the, uh, the event. For the benefit of his people. For Israel. For Yehudim. Yep. This is what God does. He has always done it. He will continue to do it throughout eternity. The reason that Dode is coming back as the king of kings, as the ultimate shepherd, as Elion, as if he were God, is because even in eternity, God is going to continue to be exactly the same individual. 
he's going to communicate and engage with us through us. It is actually brilliant, of course, and this whole process began, uh, or at least was, I shouldn't say it began, it began, of course, with uh, with uh, Adam and then Noah. But it was affirmed at the beginning of the Yatza Exodus. Um, Yahweh told Moshe, listen, I, I'm going to do you uh, a, a favor on behalf of the children of Israel. They're, they're, uh, they're a difficult lot. I'm going to prove that it is me, God, who is inspiring you so they know you're not making any of this up. So what I want you to do is you gather all the people together, and I am going to appear before the entire family of Israel on your behalf to affirm that it is me, God, who is inspiring everything that you're sharing with them. Hey, pretty cool, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you're scaring us. Don't ever do that. God didn't disagree. He said, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, that was intimidating. Didn't mean to intimidate you. Don't want to force or compel your decision regarding me. I've made my point. I will now only work through people. I will do... I will not interact with you again outside of the parameters of working through someone that I have chosen. That's why he's returning with Dode. Now, highlights of God's ultimate search reveal that Yahweh wants us to call him by name, to relate to him as we would a loving father. He wants us to listen to him and to learn from him, to share what we have come to know, to be part of his family, to appreciate what he values and to oppose what he disdains. Fighting to protect his people is to be right. God is attracted to intelligence and to character, to passion and to reliability, to those who are not afraid to tell the truth even when it isn't possible. I can tell you that it is difficult to work meaningfully with God as a part-time leader. Now, I understand. God has not, and this is very important, there's lots of people that can engage and one percent of their time. And that's a wonderful gift, and it should be encouraged, never discouraged. These individuals have family responsibilities. They have job responsibilities. They have all sorts of challenges and limitations, and whatever these individuals give is highly desirable and beneficial and appreciated. You're going to be on that when we witness Moshe's life, when we miss, when we witness uh, Yashaya's life, when we witch, witness Shamwell's life, when we witness Dode's life. Um, and I can tell you even today, with uh, my life, I, 
I do this 12, 14 hours a day, six and seven days a week. It is, uh, it is all consuming. It is not consuming in the sense that, you know, you, you use the word consume. That means that there would be less of you when, when you uh, are finished than there was when you began. Um, uh, it's a figure of speech. All encompassing. It is, uh, it, yeah, it's highly uh, additive. The more you give, the more you gain. Uh, but it isn't a part-time affair. Um, if you're going to want to work with Yahweh at this level, first, it is by invitation only. And second, uh, <laughs> you, you better be prepared for uh, how much that actually uh, means in reality. Now, by referring to Dode as the one who works on my behalf, Yahweh is reaffirming his predilection, of course, to accomplish what needs to be done with us and through us rather than alone. This remarkable fact reinforces his commitment to empower and enrich his children by being personally involved in our lives. On this occasion, Yahweh is announcing that he did something remarkable for Dode, something he has not done for anyone else. He said, out of my set-apart oil, I have anointed him. Should this be the oil of enlightenment, longevity, healing, protection, nourishment, or preparation for service? Well, may you and I benefit from future allocations of it. And may we capitalize upon it with all the passion and courage that don't manifest, particularly at his most wonderful moments. Shimon Kodeshani, my set-apart anointing oil, isn't describing the application of olive oil on Dote although this occurred at Yahweh's direction. It actually speaks of Dode being immersed in the Ruach Kodesh. That's how Yahweh accomplished this, the set-apart spirit. And Yahweh did this with Dode when he was very young, um, eight years old, at the time that he was first declared his Masayak, anointed Messiah. In conjunction with God explaining that his criterion for determining who he prefers differs markedly from mankind's evaluation. Yahweh explained the process of anointing Dode in conjunction with being immersed in the Ruach, our spiritual mother, causing Dode at that moment to be God's son. Lovely. There is one thing we should never do, and that is to ignore what God has done. Our worst, to try to take it from this man and give it to another. Yahweh chose to personally anoint Dode, his Masayak, Messiah. It was God's decision, and we should respect it, appreciate it, accept it, embrace it, capitalize upon it by reading, for example, his 119th Mismore on the Torah, his magnus opus, if you will, on how to Mm -hmm. properly observe Yahweh's guidance. 
Beyond the fact that this decision was Yahweh's, and without him, we don't exist. <laughs> he didn't do this for Toad's benefit. He did it for our benefit. That's the change that the oldest witness to this psalm affirms. He did it yeah. for us. He anointed him, not for him, but for you and me. Amazing. By preparing the Messiah to serve in this way, God's influence in our lives was established and authenticated, becoming steadfast and unwavering. Our Heavenly Father's instructions are collective. And to the whole of Yisrael and the Torah, but in Dode's songs, it is all personal. So the Torah speaks of all Yisrael. And Dode's songs, Torah is the map, Dode is the guide. We have long since come to realize that Yahweh chose a shepherd to serve as his Zeroah, the shepherd became a lamb. He would protect God's flock while sowing the seeds of truth such that we would come to appreciate the benefit of him having done so. It is the greatest gift ever offered. For those who capitalize upon what Father and Son have done when serving as the Zoroah, sacrificial lamb, well, we are perfected. Given the opportunity to live forever, and then we're adopted into God's family before being empowered and enriched. And so, while Dode's most famous title was Malak King, his most purloined were Masayak and Ben El, Messiah and Son of God. And his most important was not King, wasn't Son of God wasn't Masayak. It's Zeroah. Sacrificial lamb. This uh, 89.21 concludes with these words. In addition, Ani Zeroah, my protective shepherd, my strong arm, and my sacrificial lamb, will empower and embolden you, strengthening you while enabling your growth. Well, now, think of this just for a moment. 89th Mismore was written four years after uh, Dode's uh, first passing. Uh, 968 BCE, year 3000, yeah. It uh, literally serves as the cornerstone of the Yahweh's house, the covenant family home that was uh, called the first temple, uh, whose construction started that year. And so this is written four years after his first passing. He had three lives. And yet it says that he is Yahweh Zeroah. doesn't say he was by Zeroah because he hadn't performed that role yet. In addition, 
my protective shepherd, strong arm, and sacrificial lamb will empower and embolden you while enabling your growth. Pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. The way that that Dode as the Zoroah empowers and emboldens and strengthens us and enables our growth is because, well, he fulfilled with Yahweh the first four, Moed Mikre, that provide all of the benefits of the covenant, and of those is eternal growth, eternal life, yes. us being uh, enabled, emboldened, empowered, all of these things are a result of the benefits of the covenant, all of which are provided through the fulfillment of the first four Moed Mikre, all of which Dode served to fulfill. And I think the greatest discovery, perhaps in human history, is not just the realization that Dode is the Zoroah. It's pretty obvious. God says that he was the sacrificial lamb. But Why? Why did Dode volunteer to be brutalized by the Romans? To come back such that he would be denounced and then flayed alive by the most brutal regime in human history, the Romans. And then the most excruciating form of of human torture was inflicted upon him, crucifixion. And he knew it because he wrote about it. He gave us an eyewitness account in this 22nd Mismor of exactly how the Romans were going to flay him alive with their whips and then crucify him. Why did he volunteer to do that? And that was the easy part. The hard part is he also volunteered to burden his soul with the guilt of every covenant member of Yisrael and Yehudim and carry that guilt into Sheol, which just so happens to be hell, and to deposit our guilt there so that we would look perfect in God's eyes. The two worst days that a human has ever lived. Why did Dode volunteer to serve in that way? Yes. And how was it that he was able to convince his father that a loving father who loved him more than anyone who has ever lived should allow it, even support it? And it's that discovery. Not just that father and son accomplished this. Not just that the Messiah, the Son of God, the King, was the sacrificial lamb and fulfilled matzah. That's why he did it. Why Yahweh supported it. Of course, a huge part of that is because Yahweh announced, he is my son, he is my firstborn. The only way that God can properly celebrate Bokorim, which is firstborn children, is if it's Dode, his son, that is performing and fulfilling Pesach and Matzah. And the purpose of Shabuah, the promise of seven, is to enrich 
and to empower the children of God. The very thing this psalm just <clears throat> stated that he would do for us. And once you understand why Dode volunteered to endure the two most hellish days, in fact, to come back for his second life for the express purpose of doing that. So he's going to have to endure looking forward to that for a thousand years and then live with it for 30 on earth. Because he wrote about what he was going to do a thousand years before he fulfilled it. And then he his soul was placed into a human body 30 years before, maybe 33 years before he suffered this fate. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and yet he volunteered to do it. His argument was brilliant. Israel's impossible. No one had a better character, was more noble, not once, but a bunch of times. They tried to kill him. Israel was so bad, Dode's own son led an insurrection against him. The first king, the one chosen by Israel, tried to kill him. This is a tough crowd. Crowd. I don't read the story of the waters of Mirabah if you don't think so. And so Dode recognized that he was, had Yahweh's full support. He was extremely courageous and effective. And yet Israel turned on him. He was the ultimate student of the Torah. He knew that there was no better person than Moshe. And Israel turned on him. And now God wants to come, him to come back and be the leader of Israel for all eternity? And Toda said, are you crazy? <laughs> no. Oh, wait a minute. I have an idea. I've read the Torah. I know the plan. You need a sacrificial lamb. You need someone to fulfill matzah. You need someone with whom you can celebrate Bukhotam. He says, that person's going to be me. Because by sacrificing these two days, all of the anguish that leads up to them, I will have gained the respect of everyone who is saved, of every covenant member, of every Israelite that's part of that remnant, of every Yehudim that comes to express their joy in Yahweh's return. Every one of us is going to know that Dode is our Savior. We're there because of what he did. He will have earned He has earned our respect and admiration, our great love. And that's why he did it. It was the only way. His father recognized it and supported it. That is what Mismore 89.21 is telling us. Now, God will be, and Dode will be, even more explicit in other places. But this one statement is enough to understand it. How did Dode fulfill matzah, the 
the Mikra that is the most important day in human history, the day that religious Jews completely ignore? It was because his soul was anointed in the set-apart spirit, carried into Sheol and then rescued from Sheol by the set-apart spirit and brought back to earth to celebrate firstborn children where we inherit all that our Father has to give. And it is the set-apart spirit who brings us the benefits of Shabuah. That's why he was anointed by Yah. How he was anointed by Yah. Why he was anointed by Yah. All revolves around why he served as the Zeroah. And the benefits this brings to all of us who embrace Father and Son and accept the terms and conditions of the covenant so as to receive the benefits. Now, I can tell you that uh, over the last 2,000, well, 3,000 years since this uh, psalm was written, there isn't a single rabbi who has figured that out. Over 2,000 years, there's not a single Christian theologian who's figured that out. So you could say, they're all right, and I'm wrong. But that would be a very, very unwise decision. My suggestion instead is to do as every covenant member who has become a covenant member based upon these books and this program have done, and check out every word. Um, this rendition of the 89th Mismore, um, it appears in Coming Home, Volume 1, All the Voice. Um, I think we, uh, we have it uh, already now on, um, um, available in its uh, revised form at uh, Amazon. I know it's uh, available on the bookshelf. Um, but I think uh, Coming Home 2 has now uh, reached that point uh, as of today. We just uh, uh, came up with a new copy for the back cover out of the 89th uh, Mismore working with, uh, with Jackie. It's available. Do as every covenant member has done. Look at each of these words. Um, if you read it online, you can go into a search engine and put them all in. Verify that that's what they mean. Look up how these words are used in other places in the Torah and Prophets. And when you find that this translation is an accurate representation of these words, and you've read the Mismore 89 through the 21st statement, so you see this in context, See if it isn't obvious to you. We've devoted, what now, five or six programs already. We're on the 21st statement. Um, it seems for us. pretty clear, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'd be willing to say if, if you want to take a different view, it's at your peril. God could not have made this any more clear obvious for us. There was actually no need to interpret the text. There's no need to extrapolate or speculate. 
the Bashar chosen one among the people, the anointed Masayak, Messiah, the Son of God, the man Yahweh raised and exalted to work with him, the very hand of God, his Zeroah, protective shepherd and sacrificial lamb. Well, he has a name. Dode. The Beloved. Now known as David. For those willing to listen and engage, his life and lyrics will emetz atah. Help you grow, empower, and embolden you. When you possess this realization regarding who Dode is and what Yahweh did with him and through him, your life is forever transformed. You're empowered, you're emboldened, you grow way beyond anything you could have previously imagined. I I think this, you know... um, uh, Kirk, you've translated a lot of words, yes. with particularly using the oh, yeah. ancient um, uh, pictographic uh, letters, which have now been proven to be authentic and to date all the way back to the Exodus, when Moshe wrote the Torah on Yahweh's inspiration. Indeed, you've, uh, you've not only managed to build a, a social media uh, presence for these books, but also in your timeline. And I would dare say that uh, even in the midst of all that, there is nothing that has been more enriching or enlightening or empowering than understanding what Father and Son accomplished on our behalf. Absolutely. It's the greatest treasure in the history of the world. Yeah. Capitalize on it for God's sake, for your sake. If you haven't already done so, it's well past time that we accept and acknowledge Dode's special place in our lives and with God. If anyone holds the king to heaven, the keys to heaven, it's this man. Mm -hmm. It's his home. It's his family. It's his father. It's his throne. It's his kingdom. His plan. He's been invited to share it all with him forevermore. He opened the door. He made it possible for us to enter. And what did Christians do? They robbed him of all of that to create this mythos of a misnomer. What did Jews do? They denied it all. And in addition to denying it all, including denying that Pesach, Matzah, Bakotam, and Shabuah were even fulfilled, or that Dode was here doing it, they had the audacity to throw a false messiah in God's face, in Bar Kokhba. And then their national symbol on their flag, on their heads, everywhere, on their religious books, all of it is the star, which is what the false messiah's name means. Bar Kokhba, son of a star. Hmm. The most popular religion in the history of the world and the most depressing religion in the history of his people. They've both done this. His is the greatest gift ever given, the greatest life ever lived. And religious Jews, Christians, have spit on it, vomited 
all over it. I was uh, once of the uh, conviction that the greatest crime ever committed was the negation of Yahweh's name, something that mm-hmm. religious Jews began and Christians emulated. I don't think so. I think it is the second most egregious act in human history. The most egregious is denying what Father and Son have accomplished. To deny the Messiah and Passover Lamb's role in fulfilling the Moed Mikre. All of them. Every accolade, every achievement of Father and Son. It is the greatest crime ever perpetrated in the history of humanity. And it's hard to know who is the most egregious offender. God's people for denying that Dode is their Messiah. For denying that Dode is the Passover lamb. For denying that Dode is the one who is returning. For denying that Dode is the son of God. For denying that the first four Moed Mikre were fulfilled in 4,000 Yah, as Yahweh predicted. And then for foisting a false messiah in God's face. Were the Jews the most culpable? Or was it Peter and Paul and the Christians who deliberately and knowingly robbed Dode of all of these accolades, all of these achievements, to perpetrate the myth of a Jesus Christ. Who's worse? Why is it even a contest? Yeah. It's <laughs> worth mentioning that the surviving fragments of the Qumran text supporting the 89th Mizmor are legible beginning with the 19th statement. The differences when compared to the Masoretic text, were numerous, and they are significant. They are especially relevant in the previous statement, particularly in 89.21, where the opening thought is now corrected to present as two distinct sentences with the change from with to from relative to the set-apart oil with which Yahweh personally anointed Dode, But the biggest difference Mm -hmm. of all is that concluding pronouncement that we considered where rather than this being done to him as the Mesoretic text um, ascribes, it was done for us. Yeah. And keep in mind, when Yahweh chose to work with Moshe, it was not for Moshe's sake. Moshe didn't even want to do it. It was a terrible job. He did it for his people. Yahweh didn't do all of this and choose Dode for Dode. He did it for what it would mean to all of us. We were not chosen to share this message with you for some personal benefit. Although, as they get a lot out of it. 
more than you can imagine. But it's not for our benefit, it's for yours. All of us who are part of the covenant family as a result of Yada Yah, we know and love Yahweh. We know and love his son. We understand and have accepted the terms and conditions of the covenant. We have benefited from the reward of being part of the covenant. We attend and celebrate the Moed Mikre. We love Yahweh's name. We know these things. We celebrate these things. We don't invest all of this time so that we can tell one another what we already know. We do it for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But for all of those people who have yet to know what we have come to know, we do it because when Yahweh returns with Dode in the Day of Reconciliations, it is a family reunion, and we don't want father and son to be disappointed as they have been so many times before. Nor do we want those who might have made this to be precluded the information they need to know to choose Yahweh before it is too late. That's why do you do the social media, producing mm-hmm. those videos and, and, uh, and reaching out, uh, particularly to Yisrael and Yehudim. Yes. That's why Jackie and her edit team are so devoted to the presentation of these books. David, to the, the website, um, uh, com, making all of this available. Is why we do it. Mm-hmm. There's no monetary remuneration. There's nothing here to join. There's nothing that we ask of you. There are no donations that are ever accepted. We, we make nothing on this other right. than to please our Father and to increase the quality and size of his covenant family. That is more than reward enough. But understand, the beneficiaries are those of you who are listening, those of you who are reading, those of you who are acting upon this. And I can assure you, just as uh, Yahweh chose Dode to do this, he chose us, and it's obvious, because he said so in hundreds of ways, hundreds of times. And quite frankly... There's no one else doing this or anywhere, anything close to this, making these kind of pronouncements in Yahweh's name, making it possible to know Yahweh, making it possible to know what he accomplished through Dode, his son, announcing all of these things pursuant to Dode. It uh, isn't available anyplace else in the world, and yet it's prolific here. And Yahweh explained specifically what he was going to do to make this possible. Right. For your benefit. Well, we've reached the, the end of our recorded uh, period here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, um, uh, it's such a powerful statement. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to, to add anything to it. I, I, um, I think... We are probably best uh, because at this point in the, uh, the very, very long chapter on the 89th Mismore, we do a, uh, um, a summary 
uh, and maybe we should do that next week. The summary uh, covers where we have been up to this point, because this is really a crescendo in this great song. And right. so we will begin next week by sharing with you uh, Ms. Moore 89 from its dedication all the way through 21 uh, in summary form uh, just for that experience so that we can revel in it. And uh, then at that point, we'll press forward and cover more of uh, this, this marvelous, marvelous piece of literature. I think the most rewarding and, um, and uplifting, relevant, um, empowering, saving ever written. I, I think it's the most, not only that, it's, it's, you know, I've been studying Zoroa. Just real quick before you all go home. I've been studying the Zoroas, the three of, of them, and they they both have a such a unique part to play. Uh, Dode obviously uh, phenomenal, but Moshe as well. And what and and then this period of time, he shut the doors. You know, after uh, he had divorced the children, he mm-hmm. said, "I ain't gonna talk to you. You won't listen anyway, so I ain't gonna talk to you anymore." And he didn't right. talk to anybody anymore. That's why it these is. people don't can't read the 89th Psalm and even come up to what. Well, that's why they can't read it and come to the same conclusion. Uh, and he right. said, "I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna have a Zoroa, the third Zoroa, and he's gonna explain it to you." I wrote a little thing about it. I'll, I'll share it with y'all next next week. I'll send it in advance to see if you wanna you wanna do it. But it's uh, it's the coming home part. And I went to the same place you did when you started talking about. Moshe didn't have a whole lot of people. Doe, quite frankly, didn't begat a whole lot of people for all that seed sowing. Uh, and all of a sudden, the big harvest is here. And he, we had to go through all the... Zoroa is the right word to focus on, Kirk. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, so apropos that here, you know, yeah, I was calling Dode his Zoroa. And yeah. the introduction to probably the second most famous of all prophecies. The, the single most famous is what Yashaya wrote in Yashaya 9 about a child who was born and a son who was given. And yes. that prophecy pertains to Dode. In fact, Dode's name is mentioned in the midst of it. Uh, but the second most would be Yashaya 53, where it speaks of the, uh, of the Passover lamb uh, and the service that is provided by the Passover lamb. But it begins in a most unique way. And it begins by asking, who is it that made the Zoroa known? Yeah. I, it's a yeah. term that no one used. <laughs> yeah. We're no. the first in 3,000 years to use this term. To understand what it represents and who it represents. And Yeshua 53 begins that way. Who is it that correctly identified the Zoroa? And if that were not enough, this announcement that Solomon made, Dode's son, at the dedication of the first home of Yahweh, he specifically says that this Nacri, this person in a different time and speaking a different language from a 
different country who is an observant foreigner is going to proclaim the purpose and the nature not only of Yahweh's name, but of the Zeroah. And if that were not enough, when Yashaya devotes an entire chapter to how God is going to empower this uh, growth, this stem, calls him a choder, off of the mm-hmm. main branch, this, this sucker that would grow up from the old rootstock and stump, that how he was going to empower him with seven spirits to write this sign that he was going to lift up for his people to see, in Yashaya 11, by the time we get to the end of the book, Yashaya is speaking of a third Zeroah, the little Z, I yes. call him. <laughs> and of somebody who's and going to sow the seeds that take root and grow from Zera, seeds which take uh, root and grow, yes. that will bring God's people back home. It was all waiting for us to discover all there, all connected. And the story is for you, Israel. Zeroa is the uh, the right word. And, um, you know, uh, um, uh, when you're ready, uh, Kirk, it would be a a marvelous word to examine in terms of what the letters say. Right. Yeah, and particularly <laughs> as it starts with a with a letter that doesn't appear very often in Hebrew, the uh, the Z, no. the Z. You know, plowing yeah, new ground. Yeah, cutting the path. Plowing new ground to set those seeds, so that they can take root, grow and flourish, yeah. and grow. And uh, you know, it has a rosh in it, the observant mm-hmm. individual who listens and observes and thinks. It's got the mighty walk in it, which increases and empowers and shelters and protects, makes secure. A pretty neat word, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Including with the A, the I. So anyway, we'll take a a look at that next week. We'll uh, continue to... Uh, make our way through the 89th Mismor. We're uh, now at the 21st statement. That's about a third, slightly over a third of the way through uh, Dode's song. Um, I think it gets better. Um, it's undeniable. Yeah. Uh, I oh, think yeah. that when we come to fully appreciate it, we integrate it into our lives. We're enriched by it, saved by it grow through it. I think it's the best way to for Yisrael and Yahudem to reconnect with Father and Son. I agree. That, well, I think this is why. This is it. And it's also the best way for Yisrael and Yehudim to reject Judaism because they're yes. so wrong on this point. And for uh, Jews to also know why and how they should have rejected Christianity such that it never took root and growth. Yeah, that's true too. If the 89th Mismore were proclaimed at the time Peter and Paul were 
were pronouncing the Christian myth, it would have been destroyed. There never would have been a Christianity without Christianity. There is um, no diaspora. There's no yeah. 2,000 years of tormenting Jews. There's no shuttles. There's no ghettos. Uh, there's um, no diaspora. There is no Holocaust. No, the world would have changed totally. Totally. Yeah. And it was sheer ignorance that kept it from happening. Ignorance and yeah. desire to control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I think was perpetrating the greatest crime in human history. Here, here. Uh, so the two religions both are destroyed with this. Uh, of course, Islam is destroyed a thousand different ways, uh, but uh, that, that's it's too easy. That's child's play. That's why God started me on Islam. He said, you know, okay, you're, you're just a rookie at this. We'll, we'll start on the easy one. Uh, let's yeah. just prove this first. Um, but uh, Christianity is, uh, uh, is a tougher nut to... Uh, uh, to disprove, easily done, but not as easy as Islam, of course. And uh, Judaism is a uh, is uh, more clever time. still. Yes, yeah. easy again to uh, to destroy its credibility, but uh, nonetheless uh, more difficult than Christianity, which is more difficult than Islam, none of which are are hard. Well, thank you for uh, for listening. We enjoyed being with you this evening. Um, um, I'm, uh, I guess I'm not going to apologize for getting too passionate about this and getting uh, riled up, but um, this is uh, this is the greatest discovery of all time. You know, this is everything that uh, uh, yeah, uh, the the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, chump change by comparison to this. The, yeah. I mean, but the Holy Grail doesn't even exist. The Ark of the Covenant <laughs> does exist, but, but we got copies. If there was a single treasure in it, in it? this is it. Yeah. You want to sit on that mercy seat? It's by the way, it's Dode who's returning to anoint that mercy seat so that mm-hmm. so that Yom Kippurim, uh, the Day of Reconciliation, can transpire according to the Torah's instructions. It this is the explanation of how that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant is going to be prepared so that it becomes Dode's throne. We even get to sit next to him. It's all right there. Uh, the very Ark of the Covenant where Dode is the, the living embodiment of that covenant. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, the, the Ark of the Covenant is less important than this realization. It's part of why God says, you know, when it comes to eternity, well, the Ark of the Covenant, I think, is going to play a very big role uh, in, the, in 10 years from now. I think yeah, from that it. point on, the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, is a fairly meaningless artifact uh, because um, it's this realization of what the covenant represents and how Father and Son made it possible that is infinitely more valuable. And, uh, and very soon, of course, uh, with the final reconciliation of God's people, there will be no more need for, um, for what the um, Ark of the Covenant represents. We will have all availed ourselves of, uh, of 
the ten statements that were inscribed in stone. We will all have received the mercy that it uh, provides, and we will have the very Torah that was carried beside it incorporated into our lives. All right, well, it's yeah. my pleasure to have been with you this evening. Thank you very much, uh, Dee, and, and uh, for you, sure. uh, Kirk, and for uh, all sure. the work of uh, Jackie and, and David and the uh, edit team as mm-hmm. we continue to, to work through and improve these, uh, these books and make them accurate so they reflect what we are, uh, are learning. Uh, I thank you all, and I wish you all a good night. And may Yisrael come to know and love Yahweh once again. Good night. Good night, y'all. Shalom, shalom. Good night. Shabbat shalom.